In this episode of Tale of Two Cons, we interview Mike Faylauer with Penny Arcade and PAX. Then later, we talk to Patrick Day, the director of Evergreen Tabletop Expo and part owner of Uncle Games. Roll the dice. Hey, nerds! It's Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Geeks of Cascadia. Exclusive tabletop game podcast for the uh, Pacific Northwest. Stupid, mindless, bad. There will definitely be some bet. That's probably our best. Lot that, that's, that's our best, our best feature. You are listening to the Geeks of Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon. This section of the podcast is brought to you by Around the Table, Linwood's premier game store and hangout for game lovers of all ages. Buy a game, play one of ours, or join us for a drink. Whichever you choose, you'll have a great time. Around the Table Game Pub. Now back to our show. Hey, geeks. Welcome to Episode 5 of Geeks of Cascadia. Woo! Yeah! So far. I am your host, Blue Samurai, and I am with... Paul. <laughs> and the Costasaurus. Uh, in this podcast, you're going to be hearing our interviews that we have with Mike Failauer. He's vice president with Penny Arcade. Yep. And then Patrick Day, who works with Evergreen Tabletop Expo and is also partial owner of Uncle Games in Bellevue. And we also have some con news. Paul? Well, uh, we're just about a month from Dragonflight. Mm-hmm. You need Exciting. to get your badges. You mm-hmm. need to get your rooms and need to get your games book that you want to do. Now, they might be totally out of rooms. However... Um, you can go to the Red Line, which is about a block away. So okay. That's my understanding. And we're going to be there, right? Oh, yeah, yep. definitely. We're all going to yep. be there. We're going to play some games. We're going to do some podcasting. Uh, maybe we'll podcast some games. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, but what else? We got uh, OrcaCon, of course, right? OrcaCon's coming up. Heard of them, yeah. Well, we do know that you can go online and get a room and register. And I think maybe I mean, for OrcaCon. For OrcaCon. Okay, yes. Yeah, we're back at OrcaCon. Yes, that's yeah. right. OrcaCon, yeah. But volunteer apps are live. Still submit to host games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, host games mm-hmm. and um, demo tables. You can mm-hmm. apply right. for that. And we're, I mean, the thing is, mm-hmm. anybody can host a game. If there's a game that you love, that you like, you enjoy, you're familiar with the rules, I mean, you got to know those rules pretty much in and out. I mean, you're going to be in charge of teaching it. Yeah, apply to do that. Not only is it a great opportunity for you to sharpen your skills of teaching games, which can be really hard, but also you are really getting other people excited about not just that game, but gaming in general. And we've got to remember to talk about PAX. PAX is coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, obviously Mike is going to be talking about PAX, but this is uh, this is a little interesting podcast because in this podcast is a tale of two cons, with uh, PAX being this humongous, large con that started off small and ETX, which is, I think, in his third year. Third year, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, they, and they're relatively small for now, but who knows? They might get bigger. So it's going to be very interesting here, the, kind of the, the two different cons and how they approach it and, and where, they're, where they're at and what the future holds for these two cons. Yeah. Not to mention just the magnificent treat of getting to hear Mike Faylauer's beautiful, beautiful storytelling voice. Yes. Which Mike. I can't stop going on about quite enthralling. Oh, Mike is really interesting. I hope he comes back on our show. He's oh, yeah, just, definitely. He's just an amazing, awesome human being. And I, I know, just enjoyed having And him. I know he'll be at OrcaCon, so... Yes! Mike, if you're listening, um, don't forget, you said you'd play games with us. Yeah. You said that. <laughs> you promised. You, you did pinky, promise. You pinky swore. You did promise. So, 
Guys, you got anything else? Or should no. we listen to the interview? Let's go. Let's go. All right, let's do it. This part of the podcast is brought to you by Games and Gizmos. Games and Gizmos is your friendly local game store with a great selection and a welcoming community. Come to Games and Gizmos in Kirkland, Washington. Now back to the show. Hey, geeks. Here we are with the interview, and we are with... Mike Failauer, Vice President of Penny Arcade. <laughs> I'm doing my own introduction. Hello. Yay! Self-clap. So thanks for coming out. We really appreciate you um, doing that. And just, I mean, we have people here that some of us are more regular packs, some are not. I mean, and the, there's just so many different aspects to packs. Um, but I would say just starting off with that, um, what got you into packs in general and where you're at? Sure. Uh, so I was a fan of Penny Arcade, the webcomic, um, pretty much my entire professional life, starting way back in 1996 uh, as a video game journalist. And over the years, uh, being friends with these guys and following the webcomic, uh, kept in touch even as I joined um, the Pacific Northwest for Amazon.com. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they were just books, music, and video, and they brought me on to help launch the game store. Cool. And uh, in that capacity, I was charged with providing editorial content, as it was called at the time. And the first people I called to get that kind of content was Mike and Jerry at, at Penny Arcade. So I actually paid them out of my freelance budget. Uh, to do an interview about Star Wars Galaxies and the first Star Wars uh, MMO. Uh, met up with them in person at E3, hung out for a bit, really liked them. And so after I invested at Amazon, um, again, the first people I called was Mike and Jerry because uh, they just announced that they were going to do a fan gathering called the Penny Arcade Expo. And I said, I can help. And they said, great. And I hung up and I called back after a little bit and said, actually, I can help you run this. Um, I know some folks having worked in this industry for a little while, and especially on the buying side at Amazon, um, I could probably get you guys some sponsors and exhibitors. And I said, whoa. That's cool. That sounds better than a fan expo. And it sort of rolled from there. Well, Mike, you you are not just into you know video games, but I remember talking to you earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. You've got actually a long history with RPGs and other board games, right? I do. I, do. I, I blame my uh, elder brother and sister for that. So they are, uh, let's see, seven and uh, nine years older than me, uh, respectively. And when they were getting into Dungeons and Dragons in the 80s in Michigan, uh, one of their friends didn't show up. And so they said, hey, first grade little brother, <laughs> uh, roll these six dice, uh, or three dice, uh, six mm-hmm. times, and uh, generate a character. And I was into Lord of the Rings at the time um, from the, the old uh, animated Cartoons. Oh, yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Good. yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Frodo of the Nine Fingers and all that. <laughs> so I'm like, I want to be a, a hobbit. And they said, well, it's called a halfling in this game, but here you go. And we went on our first, well, my first adventure um, in first grade. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. That's awesome. And then hooked yeah. from then on. Hooked from then on. It changed my life. Uh, as I'm, This is a familiar story to you guys and your listeners, but um, being exposed to this, you know, collaborative storytelling, I mean, these are words that I didn't know as a first grader, but sure. came to understand yeah. is the hobby matured and I did as well um, was just fascinating you know and mm-hmm. and as the additions I was playing out of the red box and the blue box but you know the companion well rules, that goes back D&D <laughs> yeah. second ed right that was just always a constant companion it also got me into um, computer games you guys remember the old gold box series Pool of Radiance yeah yeah, first I of these bonds mm-hmm. before your time. Not me. No. No. I was born '82, so I don't know. So some that's right when I first started playing D&D. <laughs> um, so actually a little bit later, I'm the baby in the group right now. No worries. Um, so the Gold Box series was the first 
real translation of, of official Dungeons & Dragons rules to a computer game medium. Okay. So it was on the, what was called the IBM at the time, so um, you know, pre-Windows. Uh, so, but computers, right? It was the first computer game. Um, of course, games have been informed by Dungeons & Dragons since games existed, video games existed. Um, you've seen strength and dex and all these other stats, oh, yeah. phrases yeah. like armor class, hit points. Yeah. This mm-hmm. is the common language um, of video games. But it was the first time that it was the official licensed brand, and it was fantastic. So you could create your characters. You could actually have a little character creator where you choose the colors and their stances, mm-hmm. and it was full AD&D rules. And you could form a party, run around, have adventures, detect traps, get killed, resurrect. Wow. Um, yeah, it was That's cool. It was yeah, super cool. cool. Yeah. I yeah. played a lot. Set in the Forgotten Realms, you know, yeah. and it, it blew up. And so if you look through, like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but, like, the academic research on video games, mm-hmm. they will credit the gold box as bringing in uh, all a huge surge of players to that medium, to wow. video games okay. specifically. Yeah. Um, now, the downside is it brought people away from tabletop games. Yeah. And some folks will blame uh, sort of the collapse of TSR in part. On the popularity yeah. of video games, but now it seems like it's coming back. It seems like more people are getting the the tabletop games and, and RPGs, and and I want to take this time to thank you because um, packs packs could easily just shove that aside, and mm-hmm. they haven't. They've really embraced it and made it a, of a partnership um, because you do have a tabletop gaming section. Uh, you had this huge magic uh, section, and D and D was there. Um, can you uh, talk a little bit about that balance and um, sure. and that partnership? Yeah, that was. Uh, I'll take credit for that. Uh, I'll <laughs> okay, thanks. Uh, so when, when I mentioned picking up the phone and calling those guys, it was really a fan festival at the time. And so what I brought was the exhibitors, because that my press contacts and buying contacts from Amazon. Um, but I also helped shape the show. So at first it was going to be um, a bunch of TVs and some video games and meet and greet, right? Mm-hmm. So once we added um, the exhibit space, which really was a meeting room, right? Not much bigger than the room we're in right now, honestly. Um, I thought, well, we really need tabletop games, too, because our people play tabletop games, right? Why don't we, like the mission is to include video gamers and computer gamers at a LAN party. Why don't we also include tabletop gamers? And then whatever your medium is, whether you play on a desk or uh, with a mouse and keyboard or a controller, you're welcome here. And I'm like, all right, well, what would that entail? I said, well, give me a couple hundred bucks. I'm going to go to Fred Meyer. I'm going to buy every card table they have. And that's our tabletop gaming <laughs> section. All right. And we crammed it into the hallways. And mm-hmm. one of our first exhibitors uh, was Privateer Press, appropriately enough, oh, in yeah. our earlier conversation. Yeah. Um, and they brought in their awesome terrain and their awesome mm-hmm. figures. And so we had a bunch of War Machine, a bunch of D&D, because anytime you set up a mm-hmm. horizontal surface at a show, Dungeons & Dragons will appear spontaneously. Right, and, and so we had tabletop <laughs> as, a, as a component. And so after that, because um, you can only play games so long before your video games so long before your eyes kind of oh yeah yeah. Once people got tired, everyone congregated in the tabletop areas, and they're wow, busting nice. out their own That's games. Cool. Awesome. Right, they're bringing the stuff from their library, bringing stuff from home, and playing on the floor. Right, right, horizontal surface, <laughs> and uh, it was really great to see. So since then, the three pillars of PAX have always been. Video games, computer games, tabletop games. And what I, I also noticed, too, is you it's not just PAX um, kind of putting their toe, or actually that toe, partnership with tabletop games, but I know Penny Arcade does some stuff, too, with uh, with the tabletop world. Yeah, so. I mean, it's a big part of everyone there. Um, 
it's kind of funny because it is now, I should say. I should qualify that. It's a big part of everyone there now. Um, and that was out of a promotion that we did for Wizards of the Coast for uh, fourth edition. Um, when Dungeons and Dragons was coming out with fourth edition, uh, their ad agency got in touch and they said, We've got this big launch of a, this world class brand. It's in tabletop. I'm like, is it Dungeons yeah. and Dragons? Yes, it is. Oh my goodness. How dare you? So they came to us with a big budget and it just so happened that uh, most of our ad inventory had already been purchased by other advertisers. And so I couldn't soak up all their budget. I didn't have enough ads to run on our site. Um, and so I went to the fellows. That's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is. Uh, I said, guys, you know, their budget is here. We can mm-hmm. soak up this much with advertising. There's a, a difference of here. I don't want that money to go away. We're already kind of, right. you know, they come to us with this. What else can we do to promote D&D? By the way, it's D&D. And so Jerry's eyes light up because he's a big Dungeons & Dragons mm-hmm. nerd too. And he thought about it for a second. He's like, why don't we play Dungeons & Dragons and record us playing it and, and, and charge them a bunch of money for that. And it's, it's like, well, this sounds great. You know, that's so a win-win. When I, when I went to these guys, I, I gussied up the language a little bit, but um, it really was that pitch. We're going to play this promotionally. We're going to run it on our site. We're going to put it on the front page. Um, we're going to get in our good friend Scott Kurtz from PvP. So we're going to bring in both of the big web comics, um, fly them in, and we're going to play this game. And they said, "This is crazy. Like, mm-hmm. forget it." Now. The good news was that uh, my best friend was the director of marketing at Wizards of the Coast. And I've been playing D&D with him since 3rd edition came out when I first moved to Seattle in 99. And so he championed it internally. Ultimately, the ad agency works for them, um, which works for Wizards. And so they greenlit it, and Acquisitions, Inc. was born. Wow. Wow. Relationships matter. (laughs) So uh, so how long has uh, uh, Acquisitions, Inc. been running so far? Uh, gosh, since the launch of fourth edition, so that was 2007 or eight. And they're in the fifth edition now, obviously. Yeah, so. right. Um, and we've been kept it going since then. So Ack Inc. Um, blew up. Like it was our most popular mm-hmm. download for, wow. for the podcast, wow. um, just by far, by you know, leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. And so once the show got big enough, PAX got big enough to move out of the Maidenbauer Center and brought her over to the Washington State Convention Trade yeah. Center in downtown Seattle. Um, I thought, well, we've got all this uh, panel space now, these, these ballrooms, right? Because mm-hmm. at the time we didn't have the, main, or the Benaroya. And why don't we do Ack Inc. live on stage? And once again, the response from the client was like, that's ridiculous. Who's going to want to watch people play D&D? Are you insane? A bunch of nerds sitting around the table rolling dice? No. My best friend, still the director of marketing, which is the coast, championed it. <laughs> um, Ultimately, the ad agency works for him. They said yes. And it was, again, just a crazy success. Uh, our keynote That's speaker awesome. was TV's Will Wheaton. And so ah. I reached out to him. I said, Will, you're, you, you're kind of nerdy, right? He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'm a nerdy. I read his blog, you know, yeah, yeah, reading yeah. for years, corresponding. I'm like, why don't, you're going to be out here anyway for the keynote. Why don't you sit down and play D&D with us? And mm-hmm. He's like, I would love that. He got so excited, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, he did, and... It was just fantastic. Like, uh, I remember I was sitting in the front row with my brother, who got me into this game all those many years mm-hmm. ago, and we watched as a bunch of nerds walked out, sat down at the table, started playing D&D, and the crowd goes wild. That's the phrase, wow. right? That's There's awesome. people cheering and laughing, wow. and at the end, a standing <laughs> ovation, 
And I looked over my shoulder, and seated directly behind me was the president of Wizards of the Coast. And oh. he was like, hmm. And he had the look, like he was ready to tear my friend a new one, because no one thought that that would be a success. Um, except for, you know, of course, all of us on the Penny Arcade side and my buddy. So does your brother turn to you and go, so you owe me? <laughs> Thanks to me, you wouldn't be here? <laughs> I thanked him, yeah. Good, good, good. Yeah, it, it was great. So from then on, of course, we've grown it, and it made it into the... A spectacular, you know, over the top with the costumes and the sets and all this nonsense for PAX Prime, um, or PAX West rather, here out in uh, in Seattle. And that's, I got to tell you, like before every show, you know, we walk out and we set the table, right, which I, mm-hmm. I built with my hands. And when you set it down and you look up and it's Benaroya Hall, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like Seattle's it's gorgeous venue. And there's thousands of people there waiting to watch people play D&D. So that's that's amazing. Shake your head. So go, what amazing. the hell? Well, so. and then last year, I noticed people, crowds were watching people play Magic. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's kind of wild. Did you guys do... Well, yeah, World Series of Poker broke that wide open. Did you um, Did you do anything with the... I guess uh, TS... Not TS... I said TSR. I, I, talked to, <laughs> I talked to Wolfgang Bowers. I would say TSR. I meant Where's the Coast. <laughs> sure, sure, uh, sure. Stream of Annihilation, they had some... Uh, video thing with that? Did you guys have? Yeah, that? yeah, we were part of that. They brought in all okay, the cool. all the top streamers uh, for D anD D, right? And it was so cool to see everyone gathered in one roof, right? Because yeah. they had like the it was really smart, smartly done. It was uh, they had their studio where the mm-hmm. actual content was done, but then they had a, an adjacent building next door. I mean, they called it a green room, but really it was like a party venue, right? Yeah. There's food and there was tables. People were playing games on the tables, obviously. Um, and everyone was, who wasn't actively performing on the stream in the next mm-hmm. building was just hanging out. So there was um, Joe Manganiello, I think that's how I got his name oh, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and here's um, the streamers from Australia, streamers from the UK, yeah. streamers from the United States. Like, everybody, all the top D&D streamers came in. And it was cool because everyone's you know, collaborating. Like, oh, you should be on mine. I should be on yours. <laughs> and, like, I love what you do. I love what you do. And... Uh, and a lot of the folks were like, man, all, all we're doing is just what you guys did. And so that was kind of like, That's whoa, right. we're all in this together, you know, but it was right. also kind of cool too. Yeah. You get to see like the actual community aspect of that. Yeah, right? exactly. It's not just yeah. like, oh, this is his thing and that sort of thing over there, but actually like it's a community. They're aware of it each is. other and they respect like, oh, I love how you do yes. that thing. And, and everybody and does it differently. I love seeing that. That's awesome. Yeah. There was, there was just a, a, <clears throat> a really good vibe there. Like that was such a well-managed event. Like hats off. I don't know if anyone from Wizards is out there, but hats off to Wizards for throwing such a cool event and keeping the focus on the fun and and there's a lot of you know new relationships and maybe even friendships formed yeah you know I, that little thing i guess he invites some podcasters in there too so uh hopefully maybe next year <laughs> i don't know maybe we'll get big enough but well, it was such a <laughs> success yeah like it was huge right yeah. like tons of people yeah. watched mm-hmm. it and and now all that you know each one of those participants is including tomb of annihilation content right in their individual streams nice. right and so like, I remember I was perplexed by that at the beginning. I said, we can't play through the book because, spoiler, right? Right. And he said, no, 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 we just want you to refer to it. Like, your guys are going to move your streams around the edges and include mm-hmm. it as a rumor here or an okay. NPC there. Right. And really kind of make it feel more real. Because it'll come out in September, I think, is when the Yeah, September-ish around there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, um, now there's this the new thing going on on PAX. Um, unplugged, yeah, right. Big focus on analog gaming, tabletop gaming. What mm-hmm. can you tell us about that? I mean, this is going to be a, a new venture, right? It is, it is, and it, it grew out of what you were saying earlier um, about how it's 
it's PAX or unplugged tabletop games rather have always been a part of PAX since the beginning since the very mm-hmm. first one um, and every PAX every show after the expo hall closes everybody just goes over to the tabletop section and they stay there until we shut the thing down at midnight <laughs> and so the really the notion of that was well since this is sort of like the the common bond of everyone who shows up at the show, especially now that, as you were mentioning earlier, more and more tabletop games have um, iOS expressions or video game expressions, mm-hmm. um, why don't we do a whole show just around tabletop? And so we did. And it's going to be in November uh, in Philadelphia. And it's the focus is on tabletop games. So it includes everything from the family-type games that you guys all played growing up. Sure, um, yeah. To the most complex and esoteric Euro games, to War Machine and, and Warhammer and other miniatures games, uh, to card games, uh, and of course to RPGs. Um, we're putting a big focus on this one on families too. We have a family pass on Sunday. Cool. So that's and, awesome. And family content, as a lot of us are, are getting older, having kids, and we want to share a tabletop uh, with them. And so we want to. Uh, satisfy that need we're also mm-hmm. um, addressing folks who maybe grew up with like Clue and Monopoly and you know haven't tried Catan yeah, yet or what right. um, Ticket yeah. to Ride and so we're going to have some of those entry level games there too so if you're if your only familiarity is, is Uno and, and Milton Bradley right. and whatnot mm-hmm. You can come in and so you do the Catan as the gateway drug to everything. Else, yeah, right? Catan is a good <laughs> Splendor's a good gateway. Yeah, to get is. in there too. Yeah, and so now if you Toad don't names all that stuff. Oh, yeah. So if you don't mind asking, what that is, I know um, you initially had Pax Prime, now Pax West. Yep. Start here, and then it's moved all over, and you have, I believe, what four main locations yeah. in America, right? Four, it's yeah. Well, West, three in the U.S., East. one in Australia. And what are the other two in America? Sure, west, so it's east? it's west in Seattle, east in Boston, Boston yeah. south in San Antonio, and then Oz, Australia, in Melbourne. Okay, and so with that is, um, why start that in Philly? Like, what was the big focus with doing it um, on the other side, I guess, of the country from where you guys originated? Sure, so uh, PAX Prime at the time um, was... was uh, uh, our first show in our first venue because we all live in Seattle, right? Mm-hmm. So that was pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, our big problem was the venue. Um, we quickly grew um, too big for the venue. So one way we tried to solve that was by taking over the adjoining hotels and then uh, Paramount and then Benaroya and then Paramount and Benaroya and then more <laughs> hotels. <laughs> and eventually, even all this excess sundry surrounding space is gone. It's, it's taken up. There's no more room. Yeah. And so to address the fact that the show sells out in hours, right? Yeah. It's way demand. It is, is what I've heard, yeah. We, we tried to increase supply. You can't do it in Seattle because the tyranny of physical space, right? Yeah. And uh, so we started a new show all the way across the country um, in a bigger venue to try to create new supply there to decrease demand here. Yeah. Oh, I see. Did not work no. at all. Um, Just go to both. And so that show blew up, too. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, same idea with San Antonio um, for that show. Again, trying to create a whole other pack to decrease the demand on yeah. the other two. Because um, the worst thing to do is to disappoint, you know, all these folks that, you know, to turn people away from your party, right? That's right. Yes. That's, that's a hard thing to do. Um, another way to decrease demand is to jack the prices. We don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, that's taking advantage of people. So uh, that was our solution. Um, but it was also a timing issue, right? So PAX West is 
really well situated, particularly for video games. Um, all their big releases tend to hit in Q4, and this is right mm-hmm. at the gateway mm-hmm. in Q4. Uh, PAX East is right when a lot of the announcements are starting to get made. Very so strategic, in yeah. The spring, so that, that one was positioned there. And then PAX South, right after Christmas is in January, um, is to catch all the, the games that miss their holiday releases. Right? Yeah. Mm. Um, and so we, that's how we time those. So for Unplugged specifically, you know, not focused on video games, um, we thought right before, again, the, the holiday shopping season is a great time to, to hold a show. And that was based on conversations with attendees, with exhibitors, with the press. Um, just about everyone we talked to said, don't do it in the summer. Summer's full of conventions already. And obviously, you got west and east, so don't do it anytime mm-hmm. around there. Um, look towards late in the year. November was what, was what we chose. Awesome. Well, and while you're doing all this, putting these cons together, uh, I let's talk about some of the charity work you guys do with. Um, sure. Was it uh, Child's Play? Child's right? Play. Yeah. 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 Child's Play. Gosh. So this is a, a charity that we started in 2003 um, as a prank. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was a, a particular journalist in Eastern Washington. Who wrote an article and the article said that if you play games you are a sociopath and that is because games are murder simulators oh and uh, you know i've been really worried about my kids now yeah I mean more so well think yeah. about it 2003 right you remember yeah. the timing yeah um, it was not a good time to to be a gamer um but it was nonsense that article was is ridiculous right. at the face of it it kind of reminds me of the time of playing D and the late so, 70s and yeah. 80s it's like <laughs> you're a devil worshiper yeah. you know and tom then, hanks and all oh, that oh yeah mazes and monsters, mazes and monsters. Mm-hmm. thanks a lot tom hanks i have a level nine <laughs> character <laughs> yeah uh yeah the, the trick chick tracks and all that stuff yeah uh so same thing was going on for video games and so this guy wrote this article that mike and jerry are from eastern washington from spokane so they took it personally and so on their front page of Penny Arcade, they said, hey, if you disagree with this assertion that you are a sociopath and you, mm-hmm. the games you play are for entertainment or murder simulators, prove this guy wrong, send us a toy, and we'll deliver that toy to Seattle Children's Hospital just down the road, right? And so they got a bunch of, this is before me, I joined in 2004, um, they got a bunch of toys showed up, they filled their garages, they got a storage unit, filled the storage unit, they rented a semi-truck, filled the semi-truck, and... Um, and long story short, uh, when they delivered the toys, it was a good thing that the Seattle Children's Hospital was renovating the pool because oh, they filled geez. the pool. Oh, wow. Whoa. <laughs> that is awesome. All, all told, there was a quarter million dollars of donations in two weeks. And uh, after that, it was kind of like, whoa, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, that we was, got something uh, here. That yes. was a little ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. We should probably keep this going. So flash forward, um, I joined the company in May of uh, 2004, uh, primarily to do packs, we did packs in August, um, and after packs, I said to the guys, "This this worked. We've got mm-hmm. a good thing going here. We're a good team. Like I would like to become part of your guys's company." And they said, "Absolutely." And my first task after packs uh, was child's play, and so mm-hmm. coming from Amazon, uh, we I, I wanted to, to do things that would take advantage of Amazon's technology. So instead of all these toys coming to us and us mm-hmm. yeah. trying to figure out what yeah. to do with them. Um, I set up a wish list for Seattle Children's Hospital, talked with them over there, figured out what should be on it, um, and all the donations would go directly from Amazon's warehouse to Seattle. So we never touched mm-hmm. 
which did two things. First, it made it scalable and workable yeah. at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the second gave the donors supreme confidence that their money is going where it should, right? right. Remember around this time, there were some pretty shady charities. Yeah. Um, so that worked. And so after that, I uh, expanded um, Child's Play to other hospitals nationally, internationally. We hired on our uh, Kristen Lindsay as a coordinator of all that, um, who's our enforcer coordinator. So she, okay. she, she took that on as a task to establish, maintain those relationships. And uh, now it's it's quite a force. Again, pretty quickly realized that this is not a prank anymore. This is a, no. right. this is a mandate from mm-hmm. the constituency, right? Yeah. From, from the audience to do right um, for our people, for lack of a better word. And so we made it a separate entity mm-hmm. um, a 5013C actual nonprofit and with everything that that entails. It's legit now. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's important, right? Like, yeah. Well, people look for those types of it, things. It was too big to to make it a, a Penny Arcade thing. We actually, mm-hmm. if you go to the Child's Play site, it's, you don't see Child or Penny Arcade branding because we wanted it to to not be about us, right? It's about right. The, yeah. the kids and about the about the the audience. It's about gamers. Um, and so I'm pretty proud of it actually because. Uh, it's been going now since 2004, right. and it's it's doing real good work. Like with the amount of donations that have come in, we mm-hmm. can write grants for research, right? We can provide um, entire rooms with the latest equipment, and then a staff person to administer it to make sure it all works correctly. Uh, we can we've expanded recently into domestic violence shelters, mm-hmm. right? There's there's kids in trouble everywhere, and think all right, well you give people toys like. Wouldn't medicine be better? But yeah, we do that too. You know, a lot of the grants are, are for that sort of thing. Um, but it's it's talking to the doctors and talking to the families and talking to the recipients. Uh, the value of normalcy uh, can't be overstated, right? Comfort. Certainly. Um, when is that auction? Uh, the second Thursday of December. Okay. So it's like the 18th, or no, uh, 13th, I think, this year. December 13th. Okay. Um, but it's... The big one, as you guys know, is gaming is an inherently social activity. Mm-hmm. And so if you are a gamer, as we all are, uh, oftentimes gaming means social. And if you don't have gaming, you don't have social. And that's particularly true if you're a kid in the hospital. It's mm-hmm. Visiting hours only last so long. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have an immune issue because of the treatment that you're going through or just because of the, the affliction that you have. So you can't have visitors. But if you have your Xbox or your iOS device and your friends list, that's as real of an interaction as a kid these days, if I can yeah. use that phrase, right. has. Yeah. Yeah. That's an authentic communal social experience. They're not alone anymore if they're on their friends list and playing Minecraft with their friends. And that's very powerful. Yeah. That's a wonderful thing. There is yeah. a... Thank you. There's a lot yeah. of well, social aspects. Thank gamers in general. I'm talking to the microphone. Yeah. Yes. It wouldn't exist without the donations. Yeah. I, I, I have a friend who on his birthday... Um, what he does, I didn't know Child's Play was associated at all. What he does on his birthday is he live streams him playing video games with his friends and asks for donations. Yeah. So, uh, so um, his friends that aren't with him, or maybe are, are with him, are, are watching him play video games, and um, then we're donating money to Child's Play. That's awesome. That's, so cool. so That's awesome. With that, with Child's Play, um, while we have you, what would be the best location as quickly as possible? Get information on that. Donate to that. Oh, childsplaycharity.org. Okay, awesome. That was easy. Childsplaycharity.org. I like it. So uh, as we wind this down, 
what is the future of uh, Penny Arcade and PAX? Anything else out there? Well, Horizon? Uh, funnily, you ask. Uh, <laughs> tabletop. Um, we're devoting a ton of attention and resources towards Acquisitions Incorporated specifically uh, because folks can't get enough of it. And so a big expression of that is the C-Team, which is our uh, new streaming um, show in partnership with Hyper RPG, you guys might know. Um, it's <laughs> it's Cherry Holkins as the Dungeon Master uh, and a new cast of characters uh, as players interacting sort of tangentially with Jim Dark Magic and Omen Drawn and all the folks you might recognize from the main show at, at PAX's. Uh, but this is streamed uh, every week. Oh, okay. So the, the purpose of this was to recognize as popular as Acquisitions Inc. is, it's only you know twice a year, maybe three times a year if you count the holiday special. Um, this streams every single week. So if you want that sort of content, fun Dungeons & Dragons, Dungeons & Dragons with friends. Mm-hmm. Fun so Monday Dungeons or Dragons. Tuesday or what? what? Uh, Thursdays at 3. Thursdays at 3. Right, 3.30 specifically. So um, if anyone wants to get a hold of you or Penny Arcade, what's the best way of doing that? Sure, uh, Twitter. All right. Yeah, especially if you're interested in PAX, uh, follow the official PAX uh, Twitter. That's when the uh, ticket sales are announced. Mm-hmm. And I'm just Mike Baylauer at Twitter. All right. Well, Mike, thanks a lot for being here. really oh, appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. I'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Was I telling the truth or was I telling the truth? That interview with Mike, amazing. I could listen to it over and over again. <laughs> and I just, yes. And when you hear him talking about it and him just talking about the nonprofit aspect there, mm-hmm. he really, really is that nice of a person. Even just off mic, I mean, he's just he's just such a humble, kind person as we, as we were talking. And it was just really great to see that with somebody who works with such a huge con. And the work they do with child's play yes. is so just ab- yes. absolutely great. I, I think that's good to know about the other side of the, you know, they, everyone knows about the business side and all these game developers show up and everything, but kind of the good stuff that Penny Arcade and PAX is doing through child's play mm-hmm. and through the, these charity uh, charity works, I think is absolutely amazing. It's that it goes back to the community and... My hat's off to Mike. I think Mike's yeah. been heading most of this. So. Yeah. Yep, keep it up. All right. So who do we have next? We have Patrick Day of Patrick ETX. Patrick Day. That's right now. Green Tabletop Expo. Paul and I was there. Sorry, Joe, you couldn't make it. I think you were still doing your, your stuff, your work. <laughs> we all got stuff. <laughs> that's We all got stuff and things to do. But ETX um, was absolutely amazing, and I hope it grows and gets bigger. It's going to be a little noisy when you're listening to this yes. uh, to, to that interview. So going on. just letting everyone know about that before we go into the interview. So with that, let's listen to the interview. This part of the episode is brought to you by Games Plus. From board games to role-playing games to miniatures, we have something for the whole family. Come to Games Plus in Lake Stevens, Washington. Now back to our show. Hey, nerds! It's me, Blue Samurai. We are here. We are still here at ETX, and we're here with Patrick Day. Patrick, how's it going? It's going great. We're having a good day today. This is your thing, man. You made it happen. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, thank you. We're in our third year now. Things are going pretty well. Yeah, look, how many people do you think you got right here? I can't count them all. You got hundreds. Yeah, we only have hundreds. I'm not sure. Yesterday was more packed, but we're kind of coming to that close on Sunday yeah. where people yeah. are kind of getting tired heading out, but... Uh, uh, several hundred. I, I love the fact that you got a lot of you got 
you know, obviously OrcaCon, which is the best convention next to yours. Woo! No, yeah, I support OrcaCon. All you have to look is our Facebook feed. Yeah. Come January, we're promoting you guys hard. And what I too is you got all these little game design, game developers, game designers out yep. here, kind of um, trying to make it, you know, and. Uh, really cool what you got yeah we try yeah we try really hard to create space for indies and Mm -hmm. small publishers and designers there's such a awesome community here in the northwest you know established designers and publishers everybody as big as wizards of the coast all the way down to like little guys right to the like one guy who has a dream of making a game so we've tried really hard to have scalable space mm-hmm. in the convention for everybody so that anybody who wants to have a presence, wants to show off a game, they have a place to do that. Now this, you started this? Yes. Okay, so tell us how this idea came about. Well, we year one we joked and called it OopsCon, actually. Mm-hmm. It was an accidental, <laughs> it was an accidental convention. So... It started out built around uh, Fantasy Flight Games competitive games, so games like Netrunner and X-Wing and Game of Thrones, the finals being played just across the way from us right now. Um, And we wanted to create a space where those players could have a really awesome experience, uh, as opposed to just being in a store for some of these really high-level tournaments. It, things get crowded. Even in the biggest stores, mm-hmm. we started having a couple hundred players. Yeah. And we just wanted to give them like a premium experience, yeah. which I felt they deserved. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to Fantasy Flight Games and said, Hey, if you give me all of those events over a single weekend, mm-hmm. then I think I can get enough players to pack a convention center, and I'll rent one out. Oh, okay. uh, awesome. And Fantasy Flight was like, uh, we'll get back to you. <laughs> and eventually they did, and they said yes. And then the next question, obviously, was, okay, I have all these Fantasy Flight players coming, but, oh, by the way, lots of other local publishers want to have a presence. Like, they're asking, can we have a booth? I had never even thought about that mm-hmm. before. And so I asked Fantasy Flight, and they said no. And I was like, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then a few weeks later, they said, yes, yeah, you can do that. But at that point, we were about two months away from oh, the wow. first ETX happening. Wow. Uh, and this was in Tacoma at first, right? And it was in Tacoma okay. at first. So with two months to go, thus we had OopsCon. But what I love, love, love about our industry is if you go to people and say, hey, like, I have a thing, people are always like, yes, how can I help? How can I support you? What can I do? Um, I think that's really unique, actually, about our industry. Um and so we had a few vendors that first year. We had a really good attendance the first year, but ticket price was maybe a little too low. Uh, and then for year two, we were also down in Tacoma, and we kind of leveled that out. Mm-hmm. And um, for year three, FFG elevated things and said, we're going to give you some national-level tournaments. And I felt like that changed the di- dynamic of the convention because now we had players flying in from all over the country. Yeah. Now, what, what does that? Yeah, what does that mean? Oh yeah, national level. What do you get? Oh yeah, so we have this year we have Game of Thrones nationals and we have Netrunner nationals. So organized play for Fantasy Flight has kind of a system where it starts at what are called store championships, which are the lowest level, and then players who do well in store championships get buys and progress on to what are called regionals, which is what we used to host at ETX. And then players who do well in regionals then can progress on to nationals. And then the winner of nationals actually gets a free flight ticket and all kinds of other stuff to Worlds, which is in Minneapolis. And so nationals is basically that third, not quite the final tier, 
uh, for each country all over the world. Uh, like there's a French nationals, there's a you know Swedish nationals, and we are the U.S. nationals being hosted here. Really and cool. so we had players from all over the country who flew out to compete and show that they were the best net runner in the world, you know, or at least in the country. You so have a lot of tournaments going on yes. here this weekend. So that's definitely, I think, a thing that differentiates us from OrcaCon. Not that OrcaCon doesn't have tournaments. We're a little more mm-hmm. oriented towards organized play and sure. tournaments and that kind but of how, how many different games do you have in tournaments here? Is, is it that 12? is a good question. No, it's it's probably close to, it could be as many as 30 30 to 30. 40 different yeah. games. I was going through the schedule. Exactly. It was, it was mind-boggling. Yeah, was exactly. Like King of Tokyo, Star Wars Armada, Tac, Catan. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's just a hey, taste. And that's another way we've been trying to grow is to be a cool place for any events that are going on in any stores mm-hmm. around the region to have a place to kind of end up. So, like, right. if you yeah. wanted to have a bunch of TAC tournaments at stores all over the state, ETX is where we would love to have that final tournament end up because mm-hmm. we can do streaming and uh, create a really nice venue sure. and that kind of thing. What I love, too, is the openness here. It's like you don't – just because you're – not used to tournaments doesn't mean you can't come down oh, here. Yeah. Everyone's down here and they're still having fun and there's there's uh, open play here. Yeah, that's a big part that has grown over the last three years. Mm-hmm. Really, in a way, our attendance has grown. It's grown because of that side of stuff. So, like, we have a huge demo library of games that people are checking out. We have a huge play-to-win library of games that people play and at the end of each night are raffled off to people who played those games. Oh, we've done that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's super successful. And then we have a lot of vendors who are just literally playing games out of their booth and that kind of stuff. We have a escape room this year that's super cool. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, Epic Team Adventures came down and they basically built two little houses here in the convention center. Oh, okay. I see in the background. Of that. Yeah, and so those are actually an escape room, like a puzzle room for you to go in and you have to solve your way out of the room, yeah. which I just think is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. <laughs> unless, at a convention, unless, so. you okay. unless you can't get out. Unless you can't get out, that's not so great. <laughs> yeah. Now, you mentioned it briefly that you're also streaming tournaments. Yes. So you've got people who are really kind of attending ETX at their laptops. Yes, at like home. right now I know well, this. Twitch. Exactly. This Game of Thrones tournament, last I checked, it had 200, 250 people yes. watching that wow. one awesome. game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we definitely have a lot of people who are watching what's going on on the streams. And that's that was another, that's the vision within the vision of ETX was to sure. kind of create really quality streaming content. And where are these people going right after this? After this, the they would go to Worlds, which actually isn't until fall, and that is in Minneapolis. So there could be their competitors looking at this going, hmm, I wonder what this person oh, is yeah. doing. Oh, yeah. That's actually <laughs> debate that's had a lot in mm-hmm. that competitive world is like mm-hmm. scouting out decks and that sort of thing. Right. But the nice thing is Worlds is so far away, by then, the game will have evolved and changed. Is that so bad? I mean, they do that in regular sports, you know? They're gonna, Absolutely. They're going to look at a player and go, hey, yeah. I, I, hey, they do the shotgun a lot, you know? They they do well, the pistol maneuver a lot. Or a poker on TV. Yeah, you know? well... Well, for those of us who look at the big picture, I think it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. when you are the competitor and you are fighting for that top prize <laughs> yeah. and you want every advantage possible, sure. it can be hard to see that, that bigger picture yeah. for sure. Well, I say suck it up. <laughs> I say it's fun. It's good. It's good stuff. Getting famous, winning Game of Thrones. Yeah, we, we've actually had a fun, mm-hmm. almost meme evolve on the Game of Thrones stream this year because... 
we cut away from uh, Game of Thrones streaming for a few rounds to show the finals for Settlers of Catan national yeah. qualifier. And all the people who had been watching Thrones were like, what's going on? <laughs> so we kind of got the player base, the viewership of the Catan people and the Thrones people kind of trolling each other. Oh, boy. Oh, that's great. Uh, so it's, who would have ever expect like Game of Thrones card game people and Catan people to have a rivalry? But as of today, they have a, a severe rivalry. So what, what are the, uh, do you know what the prizes are, the, the big yeah. prizes uh, beyond this then? For the Game, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, so for this, they got all kinds of unique promo cards. Mm-hmm. That, like Basically, if you have that card in your deck, it means you won nationals. Oh, They wow, got okay. unique playmats. And I actually commissioned a really cool artist in the area, mm-hmm. Tristan Ishmael, mm-hmm. who did two very special playmats, one for Game of Thrones nationals and one for Netrunner nationals. And the Netrunner one actually has, it's like a futuristic view of Seattle with like the Space Needle in the background okay. and everything. So it's cool. really unique to Seattle. And then for Game of Thrones, it's the three dragons from Game of Thrones, oh, but yeah, they're flying okay. over Mount Rainier. Oh, and it's man, that is so beautiful. Awesome. Awesome. It's beautiful. So uh-huh. I know there are a few Game of Thrones players who told me they flew out just because they wanted to win that match. And then then obviously from here they go to the, the World Worlds. And then What's the prize there? Worlds, it's even... There's George R. R. Martin hugs them? <laughs> Almost. So actually, <laughs> for Game of Thrones, there's an amazing prize. There, there's a lot of cool elite you know, swag and stuff, mm-hmm. but the real prize is the winner of Worlds at Game of Thrones mm-hmm. gets to design one card oh, for okay. the next set of Game of Thrones. Wow. And it has their name on it as world champion and all kinds of stuff. Wow. And that is, those people are revered in the Game of Thrones community, right? So, Yeah. And so what else do you do besides this? Because this, def- this can't pay for the bills. So oh, no, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, we all, I'm also one of the owners of Uncle's Games, all right. which okay. is a bunch of board game stores mm-hmm. uh, in the area. I work, I've worked really hard to keep ETX and Uncle's separate because I want sure. other stores to feel comfortable mm-hmm. supporting, promoting, be part of what ETX is doing. But that's my, that's my day job is mm-hmm. running board game stores. I'm the district manager on this side of the state and also okay. one of the owners. So I oversee... Tacoma, Crossroads, and the Redmond store. Okay. So those three stores. And there's a total of six. five. Five oh, there's stores. A total of five? There's okay. two more in Spokane that, as an owner, I somewhat mm-hmm. oversee, but I'm not directly in charge of. Okay. And then this whole thing was separate from that. It was just totally on your own. I yeah. This thing. Well, Uncle's is basically a primary sponsor right. of right. Uh, ETX, but so is Lone Shark Games mm-hmm. and Asmodee. Okay. So, yep. Very cool. So you also have the Lucy Awards last night. Oh, yeah. We should definitely talk about that. We should talk about that. So Lucy Awards started last year. It was a brainchild between me and Thomas. I don't want to mess up his last name. Gershmite, I think. Um, I think that's right. Yeah. Sure. So anyways, so it was a brainchild between us where I we have, as I said, such a cool, growing indie game design community. And one way that I wanted to help that was to create some sort of award for the best design each year. Uh, And so what we created was the Lucy Award. And the other great thing we have is all those established designers. We have Mike Selenker and Paul Peterson and James Ernest and Liz Spain, like big, big names in the industry. So each year we've assembled a team of judges and we have a late night tabletop this year, streamed it last year was Hyper RPG. We have basically like a Shark Tank competition Um, It is live streamed where those panel of judges interview the different Lucy finalists 
and talk about their game after they've they, the judges go around during the day and play all the games and they talk to the finalists and kind of grill them. They grill them pretty hard about their game. It's pretty cool to watch. And then eventually they deliberate and they come up with a finalist. Uh, and so this year, I, this year the finalist or the winner was um, Fantastic Factories, okay. which was just an amazing, almost like a I want to say this politely. Uh, Basically a better machikuro. A machikuro mm-hmm. that you can then really create cool chain reactions okay. out of the cards you're playing and that kind of thing. And then we also have a People's Choice Award. So everybody who comes to ETX also gets a ballot. Mm-hmm. And they get a vote. And that vote is the People's Choice Award. And so Click Click Boom won the People's Choice Award this year. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. So it's really mm-hmm. cool. So there's basically two Lucy Awards. That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. And how long have you been um, working for um, Game Store? I have been uh, working at Uncle's for about five years and an owner for four years. Uncle's Games has been around since 1978. Mm-hmm. So we're one of the oldest board game stores actually in the country. And so the older ownership is kind of like phasing out and new ownership is kind of taking over, which I, I feel really blessed about because it means I still have those guys around for wisdom and knowledge um but yeah there's i'm looking at kyle right now there's a few new owners that are kind of taking over the company and moving it forward is, in the future. is there a little game of thrones action going there <laughs> no 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 i have we nothing we, you want to say right here no definitely not true you can tell me afterwards. i can <laughs> earnestly say that i love my partners i feel really why are you winking well you know you know <laughs> I, you did the air quotes too when you said love. One of the things, one of the nice things about a partnership is you have people to vent to, right? Yeah, it, there are true. times where you can be really frustrated, and it's nice having other people to talk to about it. That's cool. So another thing that you do here for um, newer game designers is you've got yeah. Design Academy. Yeah, so that's brand new this year. That was this was the pilot program of the Design Academy, which is another. I have a lot of dreams for the future of ETX, and slowly we're able to roll them out um, as we find the right people. Uh, So yeah, this year uh, we took on a design academy, which is basically, so as a store owner, people are often coming to me with prototypes of games, and to be honest, many of them are not very good, and I felt like there needs to be something for those people so that they can kind of get the basics of designing a game, how a game should work, how much it should cost. Like many times people will come in and be like, it only cost me $40 to manufacture this game. And you're like, well, that's going to be an $80 card game. Like that's just not going to work. So where they could get that kind of knowledge. So this year we rolled out the Design Academy and we had really some of the smartest, again, brains in the industry speaking on different topics. So we had James Ernest speaking on game design itself. We had Liz Spain from Lone Shark Games speaking on playtesting. And she's done playtesting both for her own indie game and for also the, uh, like Lone Shark, which is a larger right, publisher. Right. Uh, so she has a lot of experience just working with playtest groups. Yeah. We picked Craig, Craig Nelson, I forgot his last name, mm-hmm. uh, to do um, talking to publishers and pitching to publishers. Right. So he, he has done that for a long time. He's been in the industry for a long time, and he just landed a game with Atlas that I'm pretty excited about. But he has a lot of experience just relating with publishers and what it's like to go and pitch with a publisher. So he taught that class. Then we had Ray Weirs from Calliope, who's a publisher, talking about manufacturing and publishing yeah. and that whole side of it. And maybe right now is a roundtable, which was the last thing we were going to do. Uh-huh. And that is just 
a bunch of game industry professionals in a room with the attendees of the of the Game Design Academy, just questions and answers. That, that's good, that's awesome. you know, because I think a lot of folks have this image in their heads, like, oh, I'm going to get this, make design this game, and I'll be a millionaire. And <laughs> if you talk to these game designers, and I know a lot of them now, it's like. Dude, they actually have a full-time job Absolutely. that pays the bills and pays yes. their health insurance and puts a roof over their head. Yes. And then they have to struggle trying to do, trying to push their game. And yep. um, so it's good to, to have that so they can talk to different people. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> oh, Speaking of Lone Shark Games, Shane is doing a dance in front of us right now. <laughs> Well, Patrick, how do we get a hold of you? And what, what's sure. Uh, email address? Yeah, you can email me at patrick mm-hmm. at etxwa.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also the website for the convention itself, etxwa.com. Uh, so pretty a, simple. Do you have a Facebook presence? Is this... Me personally? I mean, I have a Facebook account. <laughs> there, is an, there is an ETX. It's Evergreen Tabletop Expo on Facebook. Uh, on Twitter, it's etxwa. ETX is also a... Um, initials for East Texas so don't get confused ETX is a number of things I found yeah 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 yeah. so ETXWA is usually the 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 phrasing we will use in things and for sure you're doing this next year and same time as long as uh, my budget is good when I'm looking at my numbers I'm doing this next year absolutely we had a great year so I, I would be very surprised if we're not doing this next year. And I'm hoping to be back here in Seattle again next year. I think it worked cool. out really well Fantastic. for us. Well, Patrick, thanks uh, so much for being on our show. And I look forward to seeing you at OrcaCon. Thanks, guys. It's really fun. I right. really appreciate it. All right. Well, Patrick was great to talk to. He's such a nice guy. Mm-hmm. He's um, running this con in this new area and all so many tournaments that he has to keep online and on time and Right, I think some of those too, as he was saying, is it's all tied into it, like a national national level oh, tournaments yeah. and stuff. Yeah, totally working up the ladder at, at, at a lot of these tournaments. We had a great time. Unfortunately, we couldn't even play anything. But no, it would. It's yeah. the nature of this podcast. I did this get popular to play, podcast. I did get to play the Bob Ross game a little bit. Oh, that's right. And it is oh, totally right. so, chill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it as yeah. it should be? Right, as it should mm-hmm. be. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a happy little game. We should just, you know what. We should just have like a satchel. I'll just bring a satchel of a bunch of like little filler games, and then we can always have. We can't have the excuse of like we didn't get to play. I could be like, boom, right yeah. here, satchel of gaming, play. Well, there are games like that. Yeah. Uh, Builders was one, I believe we played oh, at yeah. uh, Navy Day. To try that. You it's were talking about that. Mm-hmm. I saw you. I think you were here with me when you picked it up over at a Games Plus, and mm-hmm. that was a print. And yep. So I'd like to try that. Yep. It sounds good. It, it is a fun game, and I hope. Oh, by the way. Uh, we're going to be looks looks like we're going to be at the Everett Navy Base. Yep. Um, October twenty first, I believe. Yes, so that is correct. Looking, I'm very excited to go there. I hope you can make it, Joe. I know that's probably your back to work again, so it's going to be tough for you. It's it's on a Saturday, Bill, and it's going to be from four to eight p.m. Mm-hmm. It's going to be loads of fun. That is conference week, I believe, and right around there, and so. It might be kind of hard. I'll have to, but I'm I'm going to try. I'm going to definitely try to make. You'll it. make it to OrcaCon though, right? Oh yeah. All right. I mean, right. unless yeah, I get like Mondo sick with Vertigo or something. Oh, we don't want that. Hypothetically, that, that, that won't happen. Yeah. Hypothetically, um, I do want to talk about something. So yes, I am a 
huge Kickstarter fan. I love backing stuff on Kickstarter. Okay. Not just games in general. That's kind of what got me into it. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes there's games that kind of pique my interest. And so Tasty Minstrel Games, um, ha- I think, have a great track record of putting out just lots of great games that I played with them. Um, they're, if you ever play Orleans, that is... I think mm-hmm. such an amazing and well balanced Euro game. Um, I got their deluxe, uh, they called it their deluxified version, mm-hmm. um, which everything's upgraded to wood components. I'm a sucker for metal coins. They threw that in. So, anyways, they've done that and they've done it with Yokohama. Yokohama? Yeah. And they've done it with um, Yoko Ono. Uh-huh. They've done it with uh, Yokohama. They've done it with um, uh, some other games. But they have one up right now, which is really interesting. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have one up right now called uh-huh. uh, Crusaders, called uh-huh. Thy Will Be Done. And uh-huh. it incorporates a really, really cool mechanic. Uh-huh. So it incorporates a rondelle system um, that you can usually use in games that have a uh-huh. rotating aspect to it where you can, you know, whether it's different actions or resources. Uh-huh. However, what's cool about this is it's a, it's like a customizable rondelle system. So you can upgrade certain pieces picture Mm -hmm. like a pie and you flip the piece upside down one of the pieces and now you have a different component it's dual layered board so your pieces fit in each little slot just it's another deluxified so it's got the metal Mm -hmm. coins all Mm -hmm. kinds of cool things um it it just went on yesterday their goal was forty thousand, and they're at 124,000. Wow. 23 Mm -hmm. days to go um worth checking out uh it just it looks like it's going to be pretty awesome just in general, watching the videos and seeing what they've been putting out. Well, so. one one good game I want to put out there is uh, Century Spice Road. We're going to have good a little stuff, segment yeah. on there in our, in our really good Geeks game. Tabletop Game Review with Kelly and Doug. You'll be listening to it. Either you did listen to it or it's coming out later. I don't know yeah. these things, but I had a great time. Paul, I think Paul played it, too. I did right? play it. I got destroyed by, by, by Steve. I did win. That yeah. was awesome. <laughs> Bringing rights. <laughs> mic drop. It's I'm going fun- to drop the mic. Um, it's, a yeah, fun I, game. it's a fun game. And I beat Doug. Doug is like, but you can't see it, listeners, but he's like saying, well, you only beat me by four points. But the difference <laughs> between four points, Doug, is winner or loser, and you're the loser. So, but, anyway. But, but, but thanks for letting us record <laughs> yes, this year, Doug. Yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> on that note. Yeah, now we're going to get kicked out, and there'll be a restraining order on us. All right, everybody, don't forget to please, um, on iTunes, yes. please rate us and write mm-hmm. a review if you get a chance. It helps us a lot, moves us up the charts, mm-hmm. get more listeners. Share and it. Email us if you have any questions or comments, concerns, mm-hmm. comments, and um, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's all Geeks of Cascadia. Right. Uh, and if you see a Twitter, or tweet, <laughs> Twitter, tweet, retweet it. Uh, you see us post something, please share it. We're... You know, we're a small podcast, but we're trying to get bigger, and we're trying to reach out to everyone that we can and have people just kind of listen in on what's going on with the community, because this is a community. It's a community of tabletop gamers, and we want you to be a part of it. So mm-hmm. anything else, guys, before we sign off? We're, I think we're good. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, with that, embrace the nerd, and I hope you'll make that saving throw. Cascadia podcast featuring Steve Hobbs, 
Paul Anderson, and Joe Costa. This podcast is brought to you by OrcaCon.